This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, it's me and my only friends, which includes, but it's not limited to, my boy Hunt. What's poppin', Hunt? Hey, Conrad. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm chilling, baby. Just chilling. Good, good. You know, it's rocking, another, rocking the pigtails today. I like it. Another day in the life. I had to get my hat, this hat on, and it was really weird with how my hair. So I was like, "All right, you know what? I'm just gonna braid it." Yeah, and bing bang. It could I be, always... it could be a wig under there. We don't know with the hat. Like, we don't know it's actually your hair. I always think of like, um, is it the Hasidic Jews that have the? Long yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the look. That's the look. Conrad's Rabbi going for. Conrad. Yeah, Rabbi Connie. You know, I'm just here. Rabbi Connie. <laughs> the gospel. <laughs> Yeah, when you look at Conrad, you really do, you think rabbi, you know, it's yeah. the first mm -hmm. thing you think about. It's yeah. just a group of two, me and Darren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's pop and sidekick. Come on, man. I, I'm, you know, I'm over here doing a little, <laughs> little work, a little pre-show maintenance. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought you, you guys were going to have a little catch up here. Nah. Maybe, maybe talk about Hunt starting off one and two in the, uh, in the old Weekend warrior. Weekend warrior picks. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. We lost. Looking we good lost. Cuts. I, I knew it was, it was a dumb idea to bet on a Man United player. Just a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> just go Holland every week. I should just go yes. Erling Holland every single week. I don't know why I didn't. He scored you, twice again this week. Like, you have just, the same strategy as Conrad's Najee lower. Yeah. Holland higher, Najee lower. If I went Holland higher every single week, I'd probably do pretty well. I have a mm -hmm. question. So the Premier League just started, right? Uh, no, they started in August. They've been going okay, for a while. Okay, so <laughs> for you, it just started. Yes. How many games left? Let's say there's they're like eleven games into a thirty-eight game season. Okay. How many goals do you think Holland's going to get this year? Uh, how many I, does he have now? I, I don't know how many he has. I'm, I'm finding out right he, now. I think he has. I want to say he has nine or ten already. I think he he'll probably end with thirty-five or so. Like, but he gets just goal, shy goal of one per game. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he, in his first season, he got about about a goal a game. Um, and it, that's just an insane record. Yeah, that's yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. So, how he scores so much? He has thirteen. Oh, he has thirteen already. <laughs> okay, he might hit forty then. He, he legitimately wow. might hit forty. And he has three assists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, it helps that he plays in one of the best teams of all time. But um, yeah. yeah, he's he's pretty pretty insane. And he's Man, like twenty three as well. Uh, the documentary about Wrexham. Uh, I keep meaning to, and I Dude, haven't yet. It's really good. I um I, I keep meaning to watch it, but uh, I do I do follow like I, I look for Wrexham's results, like I see how they're doing, and they're they're on the right track, man. Give it five years, they they might they might make it all the way up to the Premier yeah, it's League. It's been a good investment for those two. Oh yeah, for sure, and uh, it, it's going to be fun if they if they do make it all the way up. It's going to be a big deal. So I'm excited for them. It'll be fun. How about JJ Watt's team? They suck. <laughs> they're really bad. Um, they're like they shouldn't be as bad mm. as they are. But they, they've had a really tough season so far. Um, they, they will probably finish in the bottom three and get relegated out of the Premier League. I love that aspect of, of European soccer. Me too. I, Promotion and relegation. I yeah. don't understand why they don't do it here. Uh, the NHL was talking about expanding a bit. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that it would make a lot of logical sense to create that A B A League, B League kind mm-hmm. of thing and start it off as a segregation between the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. Because they have so much room to expand in Canada with such a popular sport right now. Yeah. It exists I, I think it's Edmonton, Montreal, and Toronto are the three Vancouver. Oh oh yeah, wait, there's way more. Vancouver, yeah. Calgary. Yeah. So there's Five mo- or uh, five Canadian teams, I believe. Can they even expand anymore? <laughs> there's, there's probably a little bit of room, um, but yeah, maybe maybe that's not the right way of approaching. It. What I was thinking was it would be like the Canadian teams plus the expansion teams. Mm-hmm. So like, say that they add another uh, three teams. You have eight teams in the in the B League. But I mean, it's you know, it's obvious, obviously shitty. For any of those teams to be relegated, it's probably uh, all about money. Yeah. It's all probably all about money. I feel like in Europe, there's so many little like pockets that love soccer, and like getting relegated means really. I mean, I don't know. There's just so many teams possibilities. Like for hockey, I don't think there's enough fans. the The hard thing in in football soccer right now is that the money associated with being in the top leagues, particularly the Premier League is so astronomically high that when you like teams teams are doing this thing where they spend a lot of money to try to get there because they know that they'll recoup that money if they if they do get there and then if they don't they're in a lot of trouble financially and then (laughs) they're gambling right and then if they get there and they spend a lot of money to try to stay there but they fail and they get relegated they're fucked as well. This is the yeah. This is the pyramid of English football <laughs> and how it looks. And that's that's this what they call the, it. They call, they call the it the pyramid. pyramid. They, they call it the pyramid. Yeah, because you have you have four leagues or five leagues at the top that are national because it's a small country, so travel isn't an issue. You can have national leagues. There's no need for conferences or anything like that. And then only once you get to the the sixth tier. National League North and South, does it start to split geographically? So you've got teams that have like no money and they can't even really travel from one end of the country to the other easily. So you start to split it geographically. But theoretically, a team can go from the very, very bottom to the very, very top. Isn't it only like a 20 minute drive from one end of the country to the other over in Europe? (laughs) Uh, That's that's an exaggeration. (laughs) It's probably you can you could get from from one end of the country to the other in six, seven hours, probably. Do you know if if Patrick (laughs) has a team? Pat, does pads. pads i pads. think he he manages like a, an amateur team i think um, right what, so what, what is that how does that work i, I don't know because okay. it depending on what exact type of team that is it may be it's probably not a team that's actually within that structure because there's a lot of like i used to play casually in a team that was it was like a local league but it's not within that structure so no matter how well we did we couldn't actually couldn't get up. promoted up yeah. like there was a, basically you have to get like approved your league has to be approved by the football association to be part of that structure and there's a whole bunch of hoops you have to jump through so you can set up a league and just play however you want and i think that's probably what pads team is i think it's probably just a casual recreational team that he coaches but um theoretically you know if you get qualifications if you you know you get a coaching qualification you can manage a team that's at the lower levels and you can take them all the way up to the top isn't like have there been stories of teams that have been very very low and now yeah 100 percent um right now there's a team in the premier league luton town that they were i think like nine years ago or something they were in the fourth or fifth tier and they've made it all the way up to the premier league um brighton and hove albion is a team that um like 
what's funny when i was in high school 20 years ago um brighton and hove albion for a while they were using my high school's playing field as their training ground because their training ground was getting renovated because they were in a lower league they were a, a local team they, no they weren't like not a lot of money yeah so they were using my high school's training ground and now <laughs> 20 years later they're up in the premier league they're playing wow. in european competition because they're a top six or seven team their manager is one of the best young managers in the world and they are they have a big stadium they're a big team now that's wild um because they progressed all the way yeah. up and so if you if you're a, a an investor and you buy a team that's at a low level and you implement the right you know the right policies you hire the right people over time you can get results you can build up and you can you can be one of the elite teams you know so it's it's a really cool structure in that who way who gives the is like the EPL gives teams money uh there's a complicated structure for that okay you don't um, have to get into it <laughs> yeah teams make their own money but there is a system of if you get relegated out of the premier league the the league gives you what they call parachute payments so they they do pay you some share of the tv revenue for a couple of years after you get relegated just to make sure that you don't financially collapse after you get relegated <laughs> mm -hmm. uh but that doesn't make it that much easier because it's not like they just give you infinite money you right. know um so there's there's a lot of complicated financial stuff going on i feel like this would work well with baseball like there's so many underserved uh let's call it territories for, for lack of a better term in the United States, as far as like big baseball markets go, like imagine when we, uh, not even just when we were growing up, but just the truth of the matter is like the, the South is a baseball hotbed. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, insane. You play year round. Yeah. It, it's insane to think that there are no professional teams in the Carolinas. There's no professional teams in Virginia. There's no professional teams, um, you know, outside of, like it's it's Florida, Georgia, and then you don't really hit anything again until you get to Maryland. That yeah. really does make no fucking sense, right? But it's it's a it's a minor league hotbed, yeah. Right, like the, the there's just a massive teams. concentration to to minor league teams there. It would be interesting if instead of AAA, they had because uh, like you know the AAAs have affiliates uh, affiliations, right? Mm -hmm. It would be interesting if instead they created an independent league or uh, a B tier league of some sort where they could actually compete to go into the major leagues and vice versa. Yeah. It'd be, uh, even as a Pirates fan. I was about to say. Actually, <laughs> the Pirates would never no, it would be fucking relegated. It would yeah. be great. It would be great because the biggest reason why there's no competition at the, at the small market lower level teams is because there's no incentive for them to spend. Correct. So the Pirates just make money hand over fist. They do. They're one of the most profitable right. teams in baseball. And they've, they've curated, they've curated some yeah. of the best talent in the MLB and they never pay them. They right. just let them move on to elsewhere. Well, if they get relegated, they can't make those profits. Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden, maybe they have to double their payroll mm -hmm. and try to maintain at least uh, you know average status so that they don't just get blown out of the water by some up and coming southern team that's mm -hmm. you know curating local talent the, or whatever. the other thing about promotion relegation as well is that there's there's absolutely no tanking in european right. sports like right. there's no such thing as we benefit more from losing than we mm. do from winning yeah. you benefit less you, from if, losing yeah like if you get relegated you're screwed like you're you're gonna make a lot less money the next year so in fact the only times when games don't really have a lot on the line is when it's like the end of the season and you've got two teams that are in the middle of the league playing each other where they're not going to win anything, but they're also not going to get relegated. Mm. So it's going to be like, do we finish 14th or 12th? You know, yeah. so it's that's when it doesn't mean anything. But even then, you do get more money for finishing 12th than finishing 14th. So like, it still matters. And there's no such thing as like, we want, we kind of want to lose this tank game, for you know? picks. Right. Mm. Yeah. That doesn't I, exist. I'm curious at how like it would start for baseball. Cause like, 
you would have to start an independent league, right? But now you're taking away the farm teams for, from every league. I mean, I, I don't know. I think the biggest thing for if U.S. sports were to do that would be that you, assuming that you remove the like the salary caps and everything, you would you would get like a massive shift in favor of the big market teams, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Because like if they removed it in baseball. Presumably, well, there is no salary cap in baseball. Oh, there isn't. No. I thought, but I thought that's, like that's part of the problem. I thought there was still something though that prevents like the Dodgers or whatever from just signing every good mm -hmm. player. There's I don't not. Think so, okay. No. no. Okay. They, they sign enough. every good player. Okay. <laughs> well, then maybe maybe it wouldn't be that different. I mean, but, there's like, there's like diminishing returns in theory mm -hmm. at some yeah. point. Like if your payroll just exceeds more than you could possibly return, even winning a World Series. Uh -huh. Obviously, it doesn't make sense. But yeah, then it's notorious for like the Yankees, the Dodgers, mm -hmm. uh, the Cubs, the, the Red Sox, a handful of uh, large market teams to just go out and spend. Okay. And that does yeah. happen in soccer too. Like that, that happens where you get a team that will have an investor that comes in and buys out the team, excuse me, and says, they're, they're, we're just going to throw money at it. We're going to sign 10 players in the span of a few weeks and we're just going to change the team from being mediocre to being one of the best teams and oh yeah that, i guess that that's true that, uh, uh the luxury tax yeah. uh has a big impact yeah there's nothing there's nothing well, like that in it has some impact it doesn't really deter uh fully the, the large market team what, do you, what do you win when you win like a world series or money like but like how much money do we know I mean, it's well the majority of the money in baseball is from tv rights yeah. So, uh, like for the Dodgers, they just need to incentivize whatever fucking TV brand or, or whatever that's paying a billion for their rights to continue to re up. Mm -hmm. Then there's everything else that comes with it, right? right. You're going to get more ticket, ticket sales. sales. You're going to get more jersey sales. Well, you can also hike all, all, right. the, all the cost for those mm -hmm. things. Yeah. If you win. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants it. So, they'll, so they yeah, win. You know what a ticket to a midseason pirate game costs? <laughs> Get good seats at PNC Park, baby. Eight dollars. So <laughs> I think you're overdoing it. So the man. way they make more money is by gouging everybody else. I mean, kind of. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's like any other product, yeah. right? Like if you're superior, like you I know, am mad at it. I'm just no, asking if that's well, how no, it works. The, the, the demand goes up, yeah, so then exactly. obviously the price goes up. It's just a, it's just an economic. Right. Steeler tickets are just generally going to be much more expensive than Jaguar tickets, mm -hmm. right? Like there's a nine year wait to become a season ticket holder for the Steelers. Those Cleveland tickets might start going down. Yeah. Well. Did you guys get the news this morning? No. Oh, you didn't? Oh no. Oh, the most uh, Cleveland thing happened to Cleveland. So, you know, I was talking yesterday that Deshaun Watson might not play because, yeah. you know, he hurt his ankle. And he's a pussy. He's out for the season. What? He's out for the season? Not because of his ankle. No, no. he has a broken shoulder and they had season-ending surgery this morning. Bro, that's so insane. Yeah. They, uh, where did, where he did was that come from, the shoulder injury? He hurt his shoulder four weeks ago. Well, no, but he heard it in the, uh, he heard it in like the first half. Oh, he re-injured it. He heard it in the first half, broke his shoulder. Played the whole second half against the Ravens. Okay, that's beat why them, I, beat them. Played great, beat them, and then they were like, "Well, you got to have surgery." That's why I was gonna say it was insane. So he hurt yeah. his shoulder like three or four weeks ago. Wow. Uh, it was it was prior to the bye week, so maybe it was even five weeks ago. And they were projecting him to come back after the bye against the Niners. Mm -hmm. And the the media was you know basically grilling the coach because the coach kind of threw him under the bus and said like, "Look, Deshaun's been medically cleared." He just doesn't feel fit to play. Yeah. And that's the way that they were packaging it. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of back and forth because, you know, for all the criticisms of Deshaun Watson, he's always been tough. Uh, he's, he's kind of like muscled it out in a lot of big spots throughout his career. And everyone was just kind of saying like, you know, should we be giving this guy the benefit of the doubt? Or is this like he got paid and now he doesn't give a fuck and doesn't want to play kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so that was the undercurrent for like the last four weeks leading up to Baltimore, where I think this is his first game back. 
maybe his second. Um, but in any event, he sat out like many more weeks than the medical staff had cleared him for. He had been cleared for like many weeks prior to him coming back. And now he comes back and was actually playing with a broken fucking shoulder, mm-hmm. which is insane. I mean, you know, I doubt, I guess you're saying he re-injured it. So I doubt that there was a correlation between like what they had cleared him for. Down bad med staff. But, you know, maybe there was some oversight here. He might have had like a stress fracture at some point or some, some sort that they missed. Uh, good news for Steelers, though. Bad news, news for Conrad. Yeah, bad news for Conrad. Bad news. Um, and they're not even going to go with P.J. Walker. They're going with a third-string quarterback. <laughs> Stop it. And, Who is it? Um, P.J. Walker played well. I think his name is Robin... Uh, I forget what his name is. Robinson something. I was oh, my God. I like this. You like this? I like this. I mean, he, he's, a, he's, a running, he's a running quarterback, so... T.J. Watt I'm, is going to tombstone this man. Higher than two tackles. He's going to. (laughs) He is going to absolutely send this kid back to whatever. His name is uh, 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 Dorian Thomas Robinson. Sure. Oh, Oh, three name guy. DTR. DTR. Is he a wide receiver? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No. How does this happen? It just gets worse and worse. How did this happen to me? Oh my God, Brown. Honestly, I I think I'd rather have PJ in there. I mean, this guy played really well. No, he didn't play really well. I mean, he beat the Niners. Well, he didn't beat the Niners. Well, the, the Cleveland defense beat the Niners. They won 19 to 17. Yeah, I don't give a shit how it happened. He Who was, knows how many of those 19 points got scored from the defense? Well, he didn't Listen. give up any points to their defense. That's yeah. all that really matters. He, maybe he did. Maybe, maybe he gave up the 17. I, I'm <laughs> I don't just know. saying, if you threw Trubitsky in versus yeah. the fucking Niners, we weren't going to lose less than 38 to 3. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, uh, Deshaun Watson will not be playing for the rest of the season. GG, my G. And the Cleveland hopes and dreams dashed <laughs> down fate the fucking right in front of you. Your fate uh, sits right beside Brian. <laughs> His name is TJ Watt. Oh, man. What a wow. great, great opening. Wait I'm a minute, so excited. Wait a minute. When are we going to use Browns now for Survivor? Oh, that actually does fuck us. God damn it. Nah, we, we just we, don't use them anymore. I think we were using them uh, week 15 versus the Bears. We, we probably still will. Barky and oh, I were talking shit. about this last night, but it really, like, there's a true possibility that it could come down to the final game where we have the Ravens. To and beat it, and the Steelers? To beat the, we would need the Ravens to beat the Steelers with $9 million on the line. It could be 8-8, eight and eight, so it could be playoff implications, and it could be slap implications. Everything, the whole universe could come down I to I want to live in conspire game. <laughs> right. the, yeah, basically, Lamanna's Lamanna's conjuring... like, what do I do? Do I root Do I root for my $9 million, or do I root to not get slapped in the face? He's like, I it's don't winner, know. It's winner take all. <laughs> yeah. Because it gets chopped with the people that still survive. Would you, yeah. ra- would you rather get slapped in the face and take $9 million, or vice versa? You think that you think it's the slap in the face that I would be concerned about? No, it's it's what, what is it? They want Steelers in the playoffs. I want the Steelers in the goddamn playoffs. Yeah, I, the thing is, I I don't know if that that might not even matter. Uh, I don't know if a nine and nine and eighteen will. Get I don't think in. so. I think ten and seven. Yeah, I think ten is, and is seven. So that might not even matter, but it could. It could matter. It would. It would be amazing if the bro at this pace the whole thing came down to that. At this pace, that game could be for the for the con- or for the division. Yeah, it could be. It could <laughs> the, be because if the Bengals win today. And then, today. or not today, tomorrow. Oh. The Bengals win tomorrow. They play the Ravens. Yeah. Um, Steelers will be in first place, That's and then right. we'll see what happens the rest of the way out. It, but we got to play the Bengals. Tomorrow's a good twice. game. Got to play the Ravens. Tomorrow's again. a good game. Ravens play Did the you? Bengals. If uh, the Bengals win, the Steelers elevate up to first place in the division. If the Ravens win, the Bengals' playoff hopes are all but dashed. Dashed. So you know, <laughs> it's it's good to be king, baby. Is it, uh, is it, it is in, good to be king. Is it in Cincinnati? 
Uh, good question. I'm not sure, and I don't care to be honest. You know, no, it's in, it's in it's in Baltimore. You guys know the Browns. Cleveland walked into Baltimore and won. You guys know the Browns traded away Josh Dobbs, right? I do. Yeah, know they that. did. You know, <laughs> you know the Steelers yes. drafted Josh Dobbs, right? right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. he's an astronaut. Yeah, it's okay. genius. I can't believe he's, he's a rocket, still talks he's a about, rocket scientist. Still talks about Coach T. Rocket he's been on six teams. All he talks about is Coach T. Of course. That's right. All right, let's get to uh, a little poker now that I've had my jollies and got it out of the way. <laughs> um, we got a lot to catch up on. We're going to do some hand reviews from Game of Gold. Uh, the plan initially was to do the first two episodes uh, based off of some feedback on Monday where everyone was like, we haven't watched the episode yet. Well, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck y'all. Because I got to tell you, just looking at my Twitter feed, all anybody can talk about is a limp pot between Aces and Ace King, which tells me that the majority of you have watched the show. If you haven't, then here's your warning. Spoilers are coming. We're going to talk about episode three strategy. Spoilers already and, happened. You and, already told them about right. the limp pot. All I pot said between. is that Aces <laughs> yeah. and Ace King played And pot. I, think, I think just to let everybody know, moving forward, we are going to talk about uh, the current episode on the day of the episode. No, so we're that's not? not true. We're going to do Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay, well, what the fuck me? I don't know. <laughs> 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 I uh, thought we said we were going to do that because with, were... with the strategy we will, but in general right. it'll be Tuesdays right. and Thursdays. Okay, well, there's not any Whatever point. He said. Not really any point in doing Thursdays because there's no episode between Wednesday and Thursday. So we're going to do strategy on Wednesday for the episode that's just come out, and then Thursday you're not going to have anything left to talk about. Mm, that's true. <laughs> Thank you, Hunt. That is see, true. this is why you need means. It is. All right. Well, I guess we're doing Tuesdays and Wednesdays. <laughs> cool. Anyway, wait. Monday, just, Monday, you know Monday, Wednesday, Friday. When the episode comes out, just watch it. And then you'll be prepared. Watch the episodes. We'll talk about whatever we feel like talking about. How about that? That seems to work. It sounds like the podcast anyways. Yeah, I think so. Um, All right. So I guess... mm, How do I want to approach this? All right. So I guess first and foremost, uh, we should probably break down what the structure of the actual uh, game show is. Um, More so in the poker aspect. Uh, It doesn't really... We we could talk a little bit about the meta aspect of uh, the game in in within the game, I guess. Um, we don't even really know fully what all the rules are yet. Like yeah. and how it's going to break down to people getting eliminated and so right. forth. Yeah. There, there are some things I think we can anticipate, but yeah, uh, basically it's presented as round one is going to be a team game. Uh, we can assume that somewhere down the line, it's going to be an individual game since it is a winner take all type contest. Uh, but round one is four sit and goes, uh, four, four handed sit and goes, I should say where each place is worth a different number of coins and each round of those four sit and goes uh, escalates in coin accumulation. We don't know what the fourth round is going to be. There's some speculation that it might be winner take all. There's some speculation that it might be uh, just heavily weighted towards the top two spots. We're not sure. It seems like it's going to be a bit of a monkey wrench. But with what we do know for the first three is that uh, the third match is worth a hell of a lot more. I think it's worth two and a half x ish more than the first match was um and the basic goal is to acquire coins so there is a little bit of icm to consider in these uh before we get into the the actual hands being broken down what are your thoughts uh matt since you haven't uh really given any yet what are your thoughts on the way the teams chose to allocate their players for the sit and goes so i think that i think that overall i was quite surprised that people didn't seem to be considering the fact that the the overarching structure of the whole series is winner take all. Right. Like I think that everybody's been focused on like their team. And the only one I've really heard talk about the individual aspects of it was David Williams. Yeah. Where he said you should want to go in the last 
game because it's going to have the most coins for it. Right. I, I think that everybody so far has been really preoccupied with, I want to make sure my team gets the next round. But I think that the people who are like, uh, basically, I think you should be a lot more aggro early on because whether your team makes it through is mostly going to be variance one way or the other, like four four-handed sit and goes, like there's a lot of variance there. But whether you get through to the later stages with more coins or not, that's for you individually in a winner-take-all prize format. That's going to make a lot of difference. Would you th Do you think uh, you'd want to go uh, third? instead of uh lat like because it, it says it's hidden do you think they would ever throw a monkey wrench in where like the fourth match is actually less coins than it's, the third match it's possible that they might i mean it'd be kind of annoying if they did that i think yeah. it's more like, probable that it's just like winner take all yeah i think it's very possible they'll do that mm. I, yeah. and i think that um on some level like maybe you have an incentive to do that i i would say at, at the bare minimum though there should have been more people wanting to go third or fourth like there should have been oh yeah you should be I, fighting to go third I, or fourth. i was yeah. so surprised that certain mm -hmm. people like multiple people were like i want to go first or like i i want the yeah the, andy like begging to go first yeah was wild i couldn't to believe me. some of these people doing that because like you're when you go first when you're you're like almost guaranteeing that even if you win you're not going to get very many coins mm. and it just sets you up to be in a much more difficult spot later on i think they also like massively discredit how difficult it is to win a four-handed sit and go they're not difficult but like how unpredictable it yeah, it's just so much variance. Like right. you, you just—I don't think you can really attribute anything more than small skill edges here and there. And with the stacks being as shallow as they are, like I honestly don't think it matters a ton for the for the purposes of the team. Like I don't think you really are likely to improve your chances that much one way or the other by picking a certain player because you know the this. I think there there might be certain players where like if you took like the best player who's in this and the worst player there's a significant skill edge but between the majority of players who are in the middle of the pack in terms of skill in this there's not going to be a big edge here and there I I was I think in general everybody should have probably been thinking more about themselves and advocating more for themselves to go later in the in the field you know yeah. go late, later you, in the sit and goes and you, i was surprised that the day was taking such like a team approach you also you get coins for every place you finish right, right. so even if you get fourth yeah so like i think like if you get if you get uh like second in the first round is almost the same as getting fourth in the third round or something yeah. like that mm -hmm. i think it's pretty the, so it's just like you you're like auto profiting just by going later well yeah. i think i think yeah. well not necessarily it could be winner take all but i think not that, in the third round sure yeah, yeah. um but I think the big thing that was misleading that is helpful for the for the um, actual cast and crew, but harmful for the contestants is that they completely overlooked the individual aspect and overvalued the team aspect mm -hmm. in the sense that if we did a Monte Carlo sim, we can all agree that like the Dinegs Kuhn, Kmart and uh, Soyza team is by far the strongest. Oh, they're, yeah, mm -hmm. like light years ahead. Light years ahead of everybody, right? If we did a Monte Carlo sim, I bet that they win like 27% of the time. Yeah, which is a lot considering. Or, or let me rephrase. I bet that they, that they, uh, I bet that they're eliminated like 23% of the time. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. As opposed to a fair edge. quarter. Right. 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 But you think it's only 2%? I, I think it's small. 
I think it's really small. If you run infinite sims, I think that they're all going to regress to being eliminated about a quarter of the time. And it probably does depend in some regards, like what the structure of the last match is. Like hidden coins is still important. Yeah. It, it could be a lot. Yeah. But, but even still, uh, if it becomes winner take all, now there's even more, more variance, variance yeah. in the right. final round. Right? So yeah. even if Jason has by far the biggest edge over the field, he still only wins a small, unfair amount of the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think the, the main um, thing that's really relevant to the teams choosing who's going to go when, when it comes to the final round, is you want somebody in the final round who's going to understand what the adaptations are that they should make based on the spot that their team is in and the eventual and the, the unknown structure of the, the final round, right? So, like, Jason is going to understand that with his team going in with the fewest points, he's going to understand he needs to play for the win. He's going to know in each individual spot what the play for the win strategy looks like as opposed to the sort of ICM ladder strategy looks like. Um, there are other combinations of people that you could have picked, maybe not on Jason's team, because his team is the strongest team, but there are definitely people in that field who, if they were in the fourth game and their team was in a very specific spot, I, I wouldn't necessarily think they would have as good of an idea of how to adapt. So I do think it's important you put someone with that adaptability in the, the fourth spot. But as a whole, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think there's just, there's just a ton of variance in this first round. And I think that I, I'm really surprised that people are not, sort of advocating for themselves more or just like trying to go all out to to get coins early on because they've already said coins equal big blinds right which implies in the final round there's going to be something like maybe like a heads up match where how many coins you have dictates how many big blinds you get or something like that so it's gonna matter mm -hmm. and i i'm really surprised people aren't like going for it more it's yeah. probably just like the safe. It, well, it's, it's safer to play team aspect, especially if you don't want to lose mm -hmm. first. If you, I, I see. I disagree. I, I actually think that that's just a, a bit of a, a logical trap. As in survive and advance is wrong, play for yourself and win? Yeah, yeah. because I think that the way it basically breaks down is, uh, you know, everybody's going to get eliminated here roughly. I'm, I'm saying roughly as being very loose, right? Like, again, maybe the, the D-Negs team uh, advances like 79% of the time as opposed to 75%. But again, like that 4%, it's worth something, but it's small, right? So roughly everybody's going to be eliminated about a quarter of the time. All you need to strategize for is how to maximize every time that you advance. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is by far what, everybody's critically overlooking yeah. and and david is in the best situation because they just anointed him team leader right it's not like the the fade or charlie camp where those two are going to kind of butt heads to be the alpha or the daniel jason camp where those two are going to kind of butt heads to be the alpha a bit or even the josh maria camp where at the end of the day like no one's really going to defer to one another david's team they were just like all very much i don't want to go last yeah he was literally like, who wants to go last? And they're like, not us. And he's like, perfect, because I, think yeah. I want to. It's just right. the pressure of it all. And I think part of that's like, it's hard in real time to want to carry the burden of group. I, I imagine. just think that they're not thinking strategically. Yeah, you I, know, think, the, I think okay. what's, they're, they're getting wrapped up in the, in the actual literal 
definition of what they're being playing presented it like a satellite. Yeah. They're Correct. playing it like Correct. it's a satellite where nothing carries over, and the right. goal is to get to the next round. Right. Mm -hmm. Problem is things do carry over. Okay, right. let's play the opposite way. Let's say everybody wants to go last. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? That that would be a right. fascinating iteration to watch yeah. play out That's what should have happened. Mm -hmm. You should have scissors, obviously. <laughs> That's why I said it was good for it was good for casting and for production's sake because there was no fight over this. So they didn't have to like deal with an entire day of four teams just bickering because they can't pick an order. Because everybody mm -hmm. wants to go last. Right. Uh, in this instance, like people are bickering to go first. Yeah, they probably just have to gamble. Yeah. So what should probably happen is everybody bickers to go last, then everybody bickers to go third, yada, yada. And now production has to step in and create another game element to determine the order, right? Um, they might already had that card. on the back burner. Yeah, they might have yeah, been yeah. like, oh, you're just going to draw for it. If you can't make it decide, you're just going to pick cards. Yeah, I think it. that's where it would have gone in, in yeah, the end anyway. Right. Like, Because there, there were already elements of like, Kuhn was like, I don't care whether I go third or fourth. And he and he and Daniel literally, I think they played rock paper scissors or something. They for played. It, they so. randomized one too. Yeah, do you so, think? Do you yeah. think? Do you think it was random? Yeah. Do you think it was random? Yeah. Someone I mean, he had Soiza behind him, like checking, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, yeah, but like you know, maybe he him and Soiza. Soiza and Cahoots. Like, bro, <laughs> all all bets are off. It's a reality show. Like all bets are off. <laughs> That's true. So very yeah, well true. could have just been like, I'm gonna. You know, I, I so, don't think it matters enough that you would care to like. <laughs> to so over the that's eyes. so funny you say that because that literally happened on Big Brother this season. So it was they, they were like there's an alliance of three, right? Mm -hmm. But the two were kind of like working together, and and then one was kind of not, and they they had to they had to put two up for eviction or they had to put one of the two up for eviction and uh what happened was the two got together and were like hey let's just uh let's just make it look like it's random and then we'll be like hey let's pick a number from one to a hundred and whoever gets closest the other person has to go up and but he or the, the it one was predetermined the two, it was predetermined yeah. so and but the other person had no idea right yeah, yeah. and honestly like scam fc not right. that daniel's yeah. a rube but daniel is going to be very trusting of things that look innocuous mm -hmm. and like that flip looks very innocuous right but it could be very impactful on end game assuming you know jason just goes in wins the last round picks up whatever however many coins it's going to be worth it might be worth 100 coins who knows mm -hmm. i hope you know? it's worth like three coins well it seems <laughs> like it's going to have to be worth enough to get the whole team through and i imagine that they're going to set it up for whoever comes in fourth place into the final round can still advance right like you, you don't really want a team to just be eliminated uh based off the payoff structure you know what? To the fourth I, I bet the reason that they kept it secret is so that they could do that so that they can decide yeah, like I they, agree. Can, they can ah, look at what the situation yeah. is I agree. and they can decide based on what the <laughs> setup is because if one team has won all three games then you know that's gonna be a completely different spot to where if they're all like level on points <laughs> right they save mm -hmm. the last one so just in case if so you they win can it, just your team they can, can just change smart. it yeah they don't really want smart. they don't yeah. want to go in with no like some teams being basically already out of it you know? yeah mm -hmm. i could definitely see that being I, honestly like the underlying strategy to the all this is so fascinating to me i love i love games i love like picking games apart games I, within games yeah i think yeah. that this is so much fun because uh nobody's going to be purely sharp and uh, I think that anybody who's just reliant on the poker poker side of things is dead in the competition. You really have to adjust on the fly, yeah. which is great. And, well, and most I, poker people are still gamesmen. Yeah, day. but like, you know, so are you. And I, I think that like, if we presented this... I would go quick, last every time. Well, you would try to go last, but that's because you are, are, are very confident in your poker ability. Um, but if it came down to, you know, you and Kuhn... You're very likely to just defer to. I would Kuhn. go third. Yeah, <laughs> right, and see, like that's just an oversight of the underlying strategy. Yeah, you should just go last. 
you should fight to go last. Because at the end of the day, he's not going to help you. Sure. You're, you're an individual on an island trying to accumulate the most points. Well, the, the, now you play the, I'll call it, other strategy part around it where if all the best players are trying to play last, the chance that you win third is going to be higher. Doesn't matter. Well, you don't know what the point system is for fourth. No, but you can assume that it's going to be higher and it's very unlikely to matter uh, long-term. Like, you just always want to be going for the highest reward. Now, there are some players who I think are smart to defer and try to get carried along. Mm-hmm. Like, I right. think, uh, I, I think like some of the, the potentially weaker players are smart to just try to limp their way into the finals with a small amount of big blinds well, and then just run it out. Yep. You know, just... just Because at the end of the day, there's still going to be a lot of variance in the finals. You know, getting there with a bunch of big blinds is nice because you have a big advantage. But if you're competent and you know how to play a short stack, getting there short is just very profitable. Like, just getting there is so profitable. And if you can limp along until some point in the game where, you know, something changes and you now or the one who becomes uh, valuable, that's a huge, huge upside. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think there's also like, the, if you're in a team environment and you perceive yourself to be the weakest player on that team, there's a huge, like if you could convince one of the better players to go earlier, like let's say you were- right, Get you, the win first well, and then- Yeah, like if you were able to present that kind of argument and let's say you can convince like a Jason or a Fedor or someone on your team to be like, hey, maybe you should go earlier and let me go later. You've like sneakily gained yourself quite a benefit for getting more coins, even if right. you finish fourth in the third place. Right, one. Right. Yeah. one of the better players has gotten fewer coins for going earlier. Correct. So like, yeah. I, I, it would have been really fun to see like one of the players who might be less experienced or weaker, like advocating for themselves to go later because they recognize they want the better players to go earlier on mm-hmm. their team for later on. So like there's, yeah, there's so many elements to this, but... I think in general, I'm really surprised that more people aren't like going for the win. David Williams is the only one so far who seems like he's there to win it for himself. Yeah, I agree with that. I think REA gets it too, uh, at least from the poker standpoint. Yeah, I guess he he wasn't talking about it so much, but like David Williams came in and like he didn't even want to show what card he got when they were doing the intro. (laughs) Yeah, right. He was like, I'm here to fucking win. I like that. Yeah. All right, let's get into some of the hands then. Uh, so we can go through the first three matches. Uh, there weren't a ton of hands. Uh, obviously, the structure to this is relatively fast. Four-handed sit and go. Everybody starts with 100 big blinds. Uh, I think the levels go up every 30 minutes or so, and they escalate pretty quickly. It's a small blind anti-format instead of big blind anti-format. That's kind of weird, but... It does change it. things a little bit. Yeah, it, it sort of makes it so that, like, normally you would think the ranges would be super wide, but they're a little bit tighter now because there's not so much of an anti. You know? uh, Here's a question. Well, actually, I does think it, they're probably about the same, right? The, because does, it's shorthanded. Does the big blind still post the anti, or does the small oh. blind... Actually, the small blind posts the... I would assume so, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I just thought maybe the big blind just posted a half of Andy. I think or a half of big blind. Yeah, I think the big blind anti is 10K. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's a, a big blind anti, but the size of the anti oh, is I see, one I see. small right. blind. Right, that's, yeah. 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 Um, I think it's a, that's it's a small blind anti from the big blind. So right. the point I was trying to make is that it, it's probably not going to alter ranges that much as it would at a full table because it's, uh, it's equivalent, right? So uh, a small blind anti four-handed is equivalent to a big blind anti eight-handed. Well, 
Yeah. So like a cutoff range eight handed yeah, is I'm, gonna be I'm similar. Just, I'm comparing it to like if you're at a final table of a live tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you're still gonna have the big blind ante in play with four left. For a while time. when big blind ante was first introduced, they did this. They would they would scale down the ante yeah, as it and got I, shorter. I hate that. Like just play more hands. Like right. fuck it. Put, put a two big blind ante out there. Like I don't want to hunt. I don't wanna have a reason to play fewer hands yeah, in a right. tournament. I guess my point though is theoretically speaking, uh the adjustments aren't nearly as great as they would be if you actually did the opposite and Doubled the ante. Oh yeah, for sure. Like if you doubled the ante, it'd be crazy. Like, right. You'd be playing super wide. But yeah. Well, ironically, uh, you'd be like limping range. Oh yeah. In you'd, a lot you'd of be spots. doing like a bunch of stuff. It would be kind of really actually really interesting. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's been it's been a obviously a pretty shallow structure, but there's been I think it, particularly in the early stages of of each of the the sit and goes so far when you're like somewhat deep. Mm -hmm. There's been a few hands that were interesting. I thought the um we've seen a couple of people like make some pretty weird pre-flop plays like we saw the kind of king nine is like yeah, the first hand that, that comes to that mind that was gonna come 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 to mind for me first as well like that just struck me as like nerves you know yeah so i think this hand's interesting from a couple perspectives obviously uh kind of pre-flop decision is uh one worth scrutinizing and we don't have to go that deeply into it it's just pretty clearly a raised fold yeah um but then soyza's decision post-flop also was like pretty wild to me um you know, I, I understand where kind of can make errors like this because you, you do have a high card hand and you're playing four-handed. So, like, mm -hmm. sometimes it's easy to over-adjust. Yeah. Like, the fact that it says undergun is obviously very misleading. It is. You're actually the cutoff. The cutoff yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's not that far off. Like, king-9 suited is a layup defend. King-10 off is probably clearly going to be a defend 100% of the time as well. So, like, you know, you're a pip too wide. It happens. Uh, but... And this might just be a byproduct of also not really being a sit-and-go player, not really being put in these situations all that often, and being against a tough competitor to your left. Um, if anybody in this particular sit-and-go is incentivized to gamble more, it's probably kind of. Uh, yeah, although, I mean, she, like, she's a tournament player. She, she understands the format fairly well. I think that, I mean, I don't want to necessarily say, like, where I think she ranks in this foursome, like, because it's hard to say... You know, I, I think Soiza is the best. Well, I just say we we all know that Soiza is the yeah, elite exactly. player here. Like between right? the between the other three, like I don't really know. I don't yeah. know enough about how they play, but I think in general, like the to start out with, like as as kind of here, you you want to be like not mixing it up with Soiza unnecessarily. Yeah, and no, that, like that's kind of doing. The I, I would like that. to gamble not with these types of hands. Right, like I think that um, you know, you you obviously want to still be continuing fairly wide against the three bet given the structure but like this is just a hand that's going to get into so much trouble yeah so soyza here gets a pretty good flop 10 9 6 two spades he has the ace of spades so that's uh very favorable for him he goes just shy of half pot so about uh or no sorry be, yeah, over yeah sorry he goes about 70 percent pot yeah i i like his sizing just not with this hand like if you're gonna if you're gonna pick if, if this is your size and you're gonna have some checks this hand just is such a better check than than this size, but I mean, it might just be exploitative. He might just be going for like max value from someone he potentially I'm, thinks is going to call too much. I yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if he has any indication that she's in there as wide as she is with King Nine off, then perhaps he yeah, just for sure. thinks she's going to pay off. Right. Um, does set up a pretty nice turn one SPR situation as well, uh, and I imagine that he probably had in his mind, uh, you know, kind of jamming for protection. On, yeah, on it, some bricks. It, it just it just strikes me as um, this is like it strikes me as a a value exploit line because mm -hmm. I think like theory wise he's probably supposed to 
check this hand at some point because it's such a good hand to protect his checking range with. Right. And it's like the it's like the best hand to protect his checking range with. Yeah. You obviously are gonna have a decent chunk of hands on that flop that if if your sizing that you're going with is three fifty, like more than half pot, you're gonna have to check like your ace five of diamonds and shit like that. So like right. it, it just makes sense to have this hand as a check back. But if he's just thinking that I mean, Jason said in his analysis of this, like when he was watching it, Jason said maybe he's just trying to rep Ace of Ace of Spades King, and maybe she just calls with a ten or something. Um, so I, I think like, that's fine. Like, obviously, we're we're highlighting these aces, but if he just has like kings instead, uh, I think that this size is oh yeah, relatively like kings, fine. Queens, jacks, I think make much more sense to do this line to take this line. Right. I so just it's think like Ace if, is specifically going. Yeah, but but, but if he's just adding that hand in because uh, he has perceptions that she pays off, like it's not that big of a deal. That's what right? I mean. That's what I mean by value exploit. Like he's just, he's just doing this because he thinks she pays off a little too much and, and stuff. Right. Like but that, it also you know? complements his bluffs really well. So that was where I was going with this is that uh, it may not necessarily just be a value exploit. If he just takes ace king one spade and takes the same line where it goes big bet flop and non spade turn jam, uh, he's going to put her kind of in the cage with both portions of his range. And I imagine that's what he expected to do until the spade ripped off. Mm -hmm. Now, when the spade rips off, everything changes, right? You're not going to jam ace king with a spade at that point. Like you're just going to go two E. You shouldn't really be jamming like aces with the spade. Again, this just seems like a pretty clear two E spot. You're not going to jam flushes. Those are going to be two E hands, right? So your entire turn strategy is going to alter drastically when you set your flop strategy up for non-spade turns. Yeah, I, it, it's a weird spot on the turn because he's we, we're at like a one SPR. Yep. And I, it's obviously really tempting to just have like a jam or check strategy there. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't like doing that in these spots because I just feel like the jam gets kind of easy to play against a lot of the time. Agreed. And it, and it really restricts what kinds of hands you can jam. Yep. Like you, when you jam, you sort of have to have a spade in your hand. Right. Um, it's, Either a spade in your hand or overpair no spade. Right. Like it, but it, it even then, like jamming like red queens here, it's just like it feels really dirty because sometimes you just get snapped and you're stone dead. Yeah. Um, and it, it, uh, I, I like having a two E strategy here, but I also think that there are a lot of people who don't like doing that very much because it does get complicated when you're trying to two E at SPR of one. Um, how so? Well, I just mean like, it's not easy to know what your bet call offs are, what your check backs are when you're betting, you know, you're betting quarter pot on turn. Like there's a lot of hands which are pretty close between bet quarter and call it off versus check back. Um, yeah. So there, a lot of people don't like having those kinds of strategies. They prefer to just play the jam or check approach. And I don't think that's necessarily bad, but I do think with, especially with this particular combo, I feel like the, the jam on turn just, you probably just get a lot of folds, and I think checking or or going two e here probably probably functions a little better. Yeah, I think two e is a little bit bigger. I think it's like closer to forty, but um, it is at one spr. Yeah, if you bet quarter, then you set up for seventy five percent turn or river. Oh jam. yeah, yeah, that's true. Or half pot river jam rather. Two e at one to one is thirty six. Okay, yeah, thirty six. Okay, so yeah, yeah, just shy of forty. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit tricky, especially like when you're looking for bluffs. To follow through on on river yeah, for thirty six percent pot. Yeah, that's that's the hard part for me. Like, if you're two eing on this turn after betting seventy five on the flop or whatever, like, what what are you bluffing with? You know? Ace of spades. But then you just have to call off. If you if you bet thirty six percent on the turn with the ace of spades here and get jammed on, you just can't fold. Yeah, but that's okay because like it's not going to be 
ace deuce off. But then you're just having then you're what this is what I mean though, you're having no bet folds. Oh, oh, oh I, I see what you're saying. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see like, what you're saying. What are your bet folds to I thought jam? you meant on river. No, uh, I mean on the on the on turn, yeah. On the turn like you then probably you, have some hands like queen jack uh of like, the back well no you won't want the back that's door what I mean, you like, like queen, queen jack like, of diamonds queen jack red like yeah it, it just really i just really hate like betting a third pot and then folding to a jam with two overs and an open ender there you know just yeah that's that's kind of why i just feel like it's awkward but I, I don't think it's bad necessarily yeah that's fair i mean you know it's something that obviously uh he would probably know better than me anyway since and i'm not me. in these yeah, exactly. so. low spr situations all that often but i do think that jamming is a pretty big error not just with this hand i mean i it's it's got to be an error with this hand. You have to just be leaving so much money on the table with this mm -hmm. hand. Um, but with range as well, because of all the points that you mentioned, I think that it just kind of allows your opponent to play pretty freely mm -hmm. against you. Um, and I do think that you're like, kind of weighted towards the naked ace of spades, which is maybe where his head went to in real time. Mm -hmm. Is like, oh, I have so much naked ace of spades, maybe jamming aces with the ace of spades is a good way to ensure that I have enough value. But you do have a lot of overpairs with spades as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you could easily take this line with sets. You could easily take this line with flop straights. That, that's yeah. a fair amount of combinations. Yeah, I think a good way to look at these spots where you're all in before the river, particularly on the turn, is when you're when you're jamming in a spot where your your bluffs are going to have a decent chunk of equity. Yeah. In order to keep your opponent indifferent, you now need to be value. You like you need to like stop value betting the very top of your range. Because you need your value bet. or value bet really thin. Yeah, well, this is what this is what I mean though. That's what that's what I mean. Like you you need to reduce the equity of your value bets. Yes, yes, to correspond yes. with the fact that the equity of your bluffs has gone up. Right, like so you can't be truly polarized. Yeah, yeah. So so basically to to break that down a little bit further, uh, what Hunt is advocating for is either having a smaller concentration of nuts, which. To be fair, we would. We wouldn't jam mm -hmm. the nut flush here. Right. That's we, what I mean. You can't. Right. You so can't it's like that. we're already eliminating like a chunk of our value that way. And then also perhaps adding some to the bottom mm -hmm. where like maybe you're jamming a hand like, I don't know, ace 10, no spade for value there. Yeah. I mean, that's something that, that thin, fine, I think. Right. But th that hand is just like so vulnerable. Or like nines with a nine of spades. Mm -hmm. You know, something where you're getting, was there a nine on the board? Eights with the eight of spades. There okay. Yeah. Sorry. Eights with the eight of spades. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Like eights with the eight of spades, something like that, where you're just getting like insanely thin. Um, or maybe, oh no, I was going to say ace, nine of spades, but that's, I, I feel like, too good. I feel like eights is like, so thin that it's way like too thin you, way yeah, too thin just obviously i'm yeah, just i'm, I'm just exaggerating the point at that yeah, point yeah, yeah. but um you know it, it is one of those things where it's like it almost becomes more complex to build out a range that jams and performs well uh while still having to navigate your good hands yeah right like now it's like well, what do you do with flushes right like now all of a sudden betting 37% pot for a geo size mm -hmm. is really fucking polarizing. Yeah. But when you jam, it's super linear. This is just kind of like <laughs> the inverse of how theory yeah. is supposed to be working. Right. It's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. So I thought that hand was pretty fascinating. Obviously kind of has an easy fold. It would be yeah. interesting to see if she had king nine off with, uh, with a spade, mm. uh, specifically the king of spades. She may have like just kind of leveled herself in that spot. Yeah. That would have been a tough one, but you know, she, without a spade, I think it's a, Pretty trivial. Point. Yeah, would have been pretty brutal. It didn't ultimately end up mattering. Uh, I don't think she was really in any other spots. She just kind of blinded off, jammed Ace Eight off, got called by Ace King. Yeah. Um, there were a couple spots though that Nikita played 
with Ace Queen that I thought were oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, her fold, the Ace Queen fold was wild. Both of them. Ace Queen suited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both of them were pretty wild, but the first one I thought was was probably worse than the second one. Yeah, so we talked about this a bit on Monday. Uh, I guess, like, just give us your overall thoughts, uh, both from a ICM standpoint and then from the team standpoint. Yeah, I, I think just, like, there's just... This is, I think this is a great example of people just overestimating the impact of ICM. Like, mm -hmm. I, just, I just think there's... Yes, there's an ICM element, but it's you can't afford to make it binary where it's like i'm only going to get it in with very top of range like right. your risk There's, premiums would never be that high exactly right? like you yeah. you there always has to be and this is a really good rule of thumb for tournaments as a whole like there's always going to be a region of hands that you have to get it in with but you're not happy about it <laughs> Uh, yeah. that's it's, it's like yeah, a it's fundamental poker. thing like if you nightmare are, for the tortoise right <laughs> like if you if you're only getting it in with this with the hands where you're like happy to get it in you're probably getting it in way too tight like ace queen suited is just one of those spots where like i think jason pointed it out he's like you need 27 percent equity yeah. for right. all like yeah. right. it, it's not it's not great but yeah kind of can sometimes jam worse and you're getting such a price because you made it 5x which is good like her three bet size is really good um, well, you can call off. Yeah, you, you like you just can call off. You you should call off. It's not even all your chips. Like this is the thing. It's not like Nikita's actually ca calling off her whole stack. Oh wow, yeah. She she's calling off one point four when she has one point nine. Like right. it's so tight to fold Ace Queen suited there. Right. Um and, and so I, I definitely didn't like this one. Um and kinda kinda jamming jacks is obviously trivial. Uh, yeah. but she yeah, she can jam some ace five suited there. Like you, you just, I also you just think that hold. it goes back to that element of controlling uh the uncontrollable yeah. that I was kind mm -hmm. of speaking of to begin with, where they all come in with this team mindset of like, Well, I want to help advance the team. Yeah. And I don't want to be a part of the fourth team that gets eliminated. We know this for sure. Mm -hmm. One team is absolutely getting eliminated, and individually you'll have very little control over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing in hands like this. It's a four-handed turbo sit-and-go where you're going to be playing sub-10 big blind stacks not very far in the future. Passing on plus EV edges is absolutely a massive no-no for the sake of being there when mm -hmm. it matters later. Like, uh, you know, there was another hand in, I believe, episode two where uh, Kmart open-jammed the button with queen-10 suited for 14. Mm -hmm. And it's just good. Yeah. And Dean Eggs was so beside himself because he wanted to play raise fold there because he was saying how since the stack distributions were so even that the small blind would have to play insanely tight and not three bet enough. Therefore, when we got three bet, we would have an easy raise fold kind of stuff. And it's like you're so massively overvaluing the variables of this game format that yeah. do not matter. Yeah, right. ICM's a jammer's game too, where if you take if you jam first, you take away the other people's ability exactly. to jam, right. and if you raise, you give someone That's the ability to jam. That's what Jason's point was. He was like, yeah. you know, Ace-8's just going to slam it in your face all mm -hmm. day if you open, whereas if you open jam, Ace-8's going to fold. Right. And, like, that's very valid, and Dean Eggs was basically saying that, like, no, uh, Ace-8 will just fold to the open because everybody has to play so insanely tight. And that's just, like, fundamentally false. Mm -hmm. You know, you're already guaranteed some amount of coins just for entering the match, and it's a hyper-turbo. Yeah. Like, people do not play turbos to just, like, blind off and, and, and die. It's yeah. fun small blind versus the mini of an ace block. Like, yeah. it's a good, Ace-8's yeah. good enough. Yeet mm -hmm. it. You know? Yeah, because I mean, it's like what Matt was saying, where you have hands that are uncomfortable, but you just have to do it. That's queen ten. Right. You don't want to raise, fold it. You don't want to limp. There's only one option. Yeah, and honestly, the the uncomfortable spots are where a huge portion of the edges in tournaments lies. Like mm -hmm. if you are not willing 
if you're only willing to get it in in the spots where you actually feel like physically comfortable about it, where you right. don't feel like shit, I really don't want to call. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're only willing to get it in those get it in in those spots, you're you're not going to make a lot of money. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I I had a spot actually the other day in the NAPT event that was very similar to this, where it was like it felt really uncomfortable, but I just had to get it in. It was like. I had 25 bigs. We were like two spots off the bubble. We'd been hand for hand for a long time. It was a very long bubble for some reason. Yeah, like right. I had like 24 or 25 bigs. Giuseppe Pantaleo on the button opens. I'm in the small blind with 24 or 25 bigs. King Jack of Hearts. I just have to rejam mm -hmm. because I can't flat because I just get pushed off the pot every time because right. he has me out chipped. I, the big blind is, you know, not that short, but there's like a rec player. Um, it's just a spot where I can't, I can't like three bet fold. I can't find some way to flat and like try to navigate because I just lose like a third of my stack, such a high frequency. You just got to raise fold so much. Yeah, right. Like, and he he's opening like 70% of hands he's on the button. He's opening deck. Like. Yeah, he's opening possibly everything. <laughs> and so I just have to rip it. And I know that if I rip it and he just like snaps, it's like, fuck, I'm going to bubble this tournament. Yeah. Sometimes you, you can just, flip versus eight. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. At 50 but, bigs. Yeah, exactly. But some, <laughs> like you just have to take those spots and you have to be willing to expose yourself to that variance yeah and i i think that like you know the fact that it is a game show on top of this the fact that there is another level of strategy that's underpinning all of these decisions the fact that uh you know in nikita's instance she was like kind of coached by fade or don't get fourth yeah and then puts herself in a very volatile spot to get fourth <laughs> he mind melded her he brain drained so, yeah, her it's so funny <laughs> that fatal was the one saying don't get fourth well the irony because, is like, like again think of it from an individual standpoint that's genius Oh, from she's oh, only right. useful to him in advancing oh, the team yeah, okay. beyond, yeah, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, you're he right, doesn't you're care right. if she wins. Based yeah. Fedor saying, "Don't get fourth." <laughs> yeah. He's trying to get Fedor's second. Next don't, level don't fucking trust the Germans or the Svens. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> never trust the German. If he says, uh, "Don't get fourth," I'm, aim for fourth. I'm <laughs> impressed that you've made the distinction between Sven. the Svens and the Germans. Well, you're learning. At one point, they were all one and the same. But I'm going to get a little more culture here. You're learning here. Sweden and Germany are not <laughs> the same right. place. Yeah. But who knew? Yeah, but like, I think that you know, it is worth acknowledging that. That all of this pressure is underlying in these decisions these decisions aren't easy to begin with yeah especially like if this isn't your forte like i'm not a sit and go player by any stretch and i don't have a ton of experience in modern day mtts either so i would certainly feel a lot of pressure to be right in uh in my decision making there but i think that whenever you remove the poker which is the actual proper way to think about this remove the poker aspect it's just the vehicle to making mm -hmm. it round by round down to the finals and things like that we get our ego involved and we say well we're professional poker players we got to make good decisions we got to look good on camera yada yada yeah. forget all that when you remove the poker and you actually think about the bigger picture strategy of like okay how do i individually benefit the most mm -hmm. if you're nikita it's fucking flipping it's yeah. getting it in with ace queen suited there and saying like and say okay fitter you can win you keep the yeah, team going exactly right? like whatever <laughs> happens here i'm fine with them i'm gonna have 500k in chips afterwards i can navigate a short stack if i win this i put myself in a position to accumulate a lot of coins now don't get me wrong it worked out in her favor but again i think soiza made some pretty big errors when they were three-handed he and uh he and nikita had basically a similar stack she had like a million he had 1.2 and olga had like four Olga's open jamming every hand because mm -hmm. they're 10 blinds effective. And Soyz is like folding ace eight. Yeah. Like you just can't, mm -hmm. you know, you're just, it's a recipe to get third or second uh, where again, just winning is worth so much more, yeah. especially in the early round, right? Like you have to think of That's these a different as, hand. Different hand. Yeah. Different hand. But you have to think of these as your coins. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're basically saying like, I'm willing to sacrifice the 30 coins up top to finish somewhere on average between second and third for like 18 coins. Or, right. Or it's whatever. like the funny team ICM, but personally you don't want to play ICM because it's a winner take all game. Right. Especially in Soy's a spot where like you're on the strongest team. So like you, you need to win. You definitely need to win because they've already taken more coins out of your pocket by putting you first. Right. Like if you're gonna play early, you play to win. And that's like, also the, the being on the strongest team is also weird because you know that if you advance, the field is stronger than right. what it would be if you did. <laughs> right. You, right. Exactly. You're, you're forced to continue against a tough field because your team is so good. So yes. Like you have less equity against that tough field. Yeah. Agreed. Especially, I guess that's kind of the idea. Is the earlier the round is in the tournament the less team icm matters because yeah. you can rely on your team to potentially win mm -hmm. where you don't really want to try to play team games early you want to play the team game late where if kuhn knows he needs to get second to advance his team mm -hmm. and if he doesn't get second he's gonna die in the process yeah mm -hmm. now That's he's different. gonna play icm of course of course mm -hmm. and he's the only one it's only yeah. whoever goes fourth that should have that burden mm -hmm. Right. right, but people did the inverse. Correct, where they said, "Oh, I want to help my team, not bust." It's like, "Hey, it's not yeah. your job. Your job is to try to win." And there's also right. the element where, like, you you want to not play ICM, but you want your team to think that you're playing ICM. I'm a team because, player. Exactly. You want you exactly. want them all, you want them all to play ICM. Exactly. So you have to go in and like try to level your team and make them think that you're playing for the team, but actually you're just playing right. for yourself. And I do think that that's like just a general misunderstanding maybe of the inner workings of these game shows and how manipulative they are and how much you actually have to consider all of that meta. I will say that I think Ke Kevin Martin like didn't think much about all that stuff. He just kind of went in and played, you know, a mm -hmm. good winner take all type of strategy. The Queen 10 obviously is a very good jam. Uh, he gets unfortunate, finishes fourth in that one. Then we see a scenario heads up where I think REA actually was quite considerate of how important the coins are mm -hmm. and how little the poker actually matters. He actually backed himself into the correct decision, but be that as it may, the reasoning behind the decision is actually more important from my perspective as why he'll be a strong competitor mm -hmm. than actually arriving at the decision itself. Yeah. So the hand was heads up. Uh, he limps King nine off as a three to one dog um in chip or sorry a two to one dog in chips versus charlie so he can flip the stacks uh if he doubles and basically he thinks it's a limp fold which it's not uh not for 14 or 15 big blinds or whatever but nevertheless he basically arrives at you know what i'm just gonna gamble this spot because charlie you're better than me at heads up i don't know what i'm supposed to limp call i don't know what i'm supposed to limp jam like he was gonna limp jam mm -hmm. it uh but you know he's just not gonna face many raises when he does they're gonna be whatever it doesn't matter um, in any event, uh, he's not that certain on ranges. He knows Charlie is. He's not that sure of how he's going to gain an edge heads up, but he knows Charlie does know. Yeah. So he just says, fuck it. King has a good hand. Fuck it, we've mm -hmm. all. I'm in. Mm -hmm. We can flip the stacks right here, and if that's the case, then I put myself in a pole position to actually win the most coins in this in this particular round. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pre precisely what happened. Carly, yeah. or, uh, Charlie jammed the Jack-10 suited, probably better served as a raise call-off, kind of too good. I think to to just like open jam. Not a lot of good happens here. Yeah, you kind of just get called by better and get worse to fold. You had to read. Yeah, he, he tried to he tried to get better to fold. That's true. That uh, is true. And then Josh almost was going worked. to do it, and then he said like, <laughs> "Never mind, just kidding." Yeah, it did almost work. <laughs> Can I just say what, what what I love about these segments where they're uh, that they show the teams like watching on. Yeah. What I love is that 
everybody thinks everybody else sucks. 100%. Yeah, it's such a microcosm of poker as a whole because every team is like, how does he fold there? How does he call there? Like, come on, please don't fold. Don't be a nit. Like all this stuff. Everybody thinks everybody else is terrible. And it's so funny to me. I just love watching jungle sleep. Yeah, jungle, jungle just like not caring is classic jungle Jungle's as well. playing the individual game, And man. then the, the other thing that I really enjoy is is uh, Jason in particular, but a lot of, the, a lot of them like, basically calling everyone else a whale but like trying to do it really politely yeah <laughs> like oh that's a that's a weird call you i mean yeah. like, i mean all i've seen throughout three episodes is uh 14 people self-reporting and then fedor and jason kind of like fedor just not saying anything like literally just like eh, we have 16 percent. that's pretty good yeah <laughs> and then jason just kind of being like a lot of heart kid a yeah. lot of heart respect the heart <laughs> like there was a total punk but like complete respect there was the one, heart like they're, they're all so patronizing sometimes as well like yeah. one of the i think one of the most patronizing things is like maria gets a bluff through and nikita's like i'm proud of you for getting that bluff through i was like come on she was not if, being patronizing at all though she, she genuinely meant that. I, maybe it was genuine but if yeah. i ever if anyone ever says they're proud of me for getting a bluff through <laughs> I, i'm gonna feel really slighted yeah it, so. well nikita probably just doesn't bluff enough yeah in general right so like she's she actually truly is happy for maria yeah to, to pull I, I, that I trigger yeah i don't think it, it was i don't think it wasn't genuine but it just yeah. I, if i was maria i'd be like right. come on so if, I have, if i have jack eight here and someone says like oh thank god you bluffed here i'm like <laughs> yeah. you've, you've got they to really, be joking yeah they don't they don't <laughs> think a lot of you yeah yeah exactly. uh all right well now that we're on to episode three we can talk about a few of those spots um poor <laughs> yeah. robin man he uh, he really went through the. So his name is Luca Robinson. Lucas Robinson. Lucas Lucas Robinson. Robinson. Okay, is his name, but he goes by Robin Poker. Okay, so uh, he was he was my he was my uh, horse. my sleep Your to sleeper kick. pick. Yeah, he was my pick to click. My dark horse. I still like him a lot, but uh, you know he had a real rough go of it in in this third. Yeah, sit and go. He had some rough spots. It was weird because on one hand he had the best hand more than anybody else. I think as far as distribution goes, mm -hmm. but on the other hand he was also dealt some of the shittiest spots in the sense that yeah he had the best hand but they weren't exactly easy ones to make a lot of money mm -hmm. he had a set on a four flush where he arrived at the proper call on the end he folded a chop versus maria for a small size which is obviously a big error kind of just leveling himself yeah. and i think that that kind of set the tone for his entire sit and go he kind of just like leveled himself time yeah. and time again right mm -hmm. uh he self-admittedly hasn't played live very much certainly hasn't been on camera very much but he is an online streamer he fancies himself a sit and go player he knows what the th he's landing you know deep down <laughs> he's he's a sim yep he, he's a disciple you know he's he's out there <laughs> gotta raise those sixes though he's out mm. there worshiping the worshiping uh the spends of the world but yeah that was another one, right? Where yo block bet river for one blind. He led in the four people for one big blind. Different, different hand. Different hand. This one was heads oh up no no, it was the same hand. Same they hand. send yeah. yeah, yeah. So he yo spiked the turn. Yeah. Oh. It was a was it a min raised pot or a limp pot? It was uh, a four it was a raised, raised pot. pot. Right. Yo like ace king x donks the small blind for min bet on right. ace king x, which I didn't. <laughs> Jason Insane. was like, that's not a thing. Definitely, it's definitely not a thing. Not a thing. Imagine imagine leading multi way into a pre-flop aggressor yeah on on a board texture where they get to have over bets right <laughs> right like ace king five two tone you know what i'm gonna do you know what this happens to me at the bellagio all the fucking time <laughs> where i just get donked into on a board where it's like buddy i was gonna bet 150 percent pot if you checked me what <laughs> the fuck is going on here well this is this is what happens with uh when you play poker with french people you know the french are unpredictable the that's true table. 
That's really true. Are. They're, they're as unpredictable. The unpredictable countries. Yes, that's true. They are absolutely as unpredictable as the whales I play against at the Bellagio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a list of like really unpredictable countries. It's like France, Russia, Brazil, Italy. Unpredictable? I'll tell you exactly what his two cards are every time he leads in that spot. Top pair, a gut shot, or a flush draw. And that's it. <laughs> you will see absolutely yeah. nothing else. Yeah, that might And be, the that top pair true. is probably going to be a hand that should have squeezed pre. But then that's that's because you know how Yo plays. The well, I, the no, average I know how French, my whales in the Blasio play. Aver the average <laughs> random French player, though, like... I, that they're a little bit more unpredictable than that. Yeah, maybe the, the Brazilians too. They're gonna find the three do suited there. They're gonna find the, They're gonna find something. They're not gonna do it. I hope because it's just not great. But anyway, it folds to Robin then, who has pocket sixes, which uh, he does not have a diamond, and it probably isn't appeal. I know that they were kind of it's, criticizing. It's not appeal. Yeah. It, no, it's no. not, but it's like at least have the diamond in your hand, so your outs hey, are man. clean. Yeah, but you're facing one big blind. Hey man, if you get checked, you just bluff later. It's fine. I, I, I kind of don't hate it. Like, yeah, you're not gonna show the hand down, but you're getting like you know seven to one to just rip off a two outer and maybe make some money. I mean, if if he's doing it with the intent to like make sure that he bluffs with this hand later, then I don't I don't hate it. Agreed. But I think if Agreed. he's doing it just because he's like, well, just maybe appeal. maybe he has queen jack and I win. Yeah, like, yeah. That's not good. Yeah, I agree with both of those points. Um and I'm not sure what his intent was because the turn was the six of diamonds, which he is just drills fucking it. gin. <laughs> just drill it. On uh, the Yo leads again, I think for maybe three quarters pot or 66% pot on the turn. Um, it might have been half at this pot, point, whatever. Like, what is this line? Like, right. what what is Ace Ten Black doing, leading twice on this board? Like, it's just well, it's a part of the completed range that I told you, Hunt, which is <laughs> flush draws, <laughs> pair, gut, gut shots, and, and top draw. pair. Yeah, his gut enough. shots now have gut shot plus flush draw. His top pair has <laughs> to bet for protection. <laughs> and and everything, else else got there. everything else is a flush. <laughs> He's uncapped, bro. Uncapped. Quit bro. your capping. Uh, so Robin now has a set. I think calling here again is totally fine. Yeah, I think that's fine. Uh, you know, you could still improve. He could certainly have flushes. He is choosing to bet twice into a fairly uncapped range. Uh, so calling with a set here seems very reasonable. Does River is an offsuit 10, which does complete Queen Jack for a straight, of course. <laughs> His uh, top pair now makes two pair. And now, he has, now Yo has two pair. And he elects to bet 10% uh, ish. He, bet, he bets like 40 into some insane amount yeah less than 10 percent. Yeah, i think just like super block so he bets two big blinds super into block yeah he bets <laughs> he bets like eight percent pot here he goes block bet half 30 percent super block the super yeah. block yeah. no the turn turn was big turn he bet like 140 into he bet like 60 percent yeah 60 or 70 yeah. 140 think, to 390 yeah, yeah. is it like, 390 yeah. or 490 390 because the so final like, pot is 530 that's less yeah. than half um, one forty no, into no, three ninety. No, it was three ninety after the bet. Oh, after Correct. the bet. Yeah. So, so he bet big. Forty into two fifty. Yeah. So sixty yeah. percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then yeah, he blocks River for somewhere around ten so, percent pot, and, <laughs> and uh, Lucas just snap calls. Yeah. So block mid bet super block. And it's like, bro, we gotta raise this River. <laughs> I know the two straights yeah. got there. I mean, if Yo shows you seven eight, like God bless him. Godspeed. Uh, he's never gonna three bet you with Queen Jack. So like, whatever, you don't care if sometimes you value own yourself. Like these are these are still those spots where it's like it's very important that he you don't miss sixty to five ninety. Sixty. Okay. So, so B ten. Yeah. 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 About 10%. Yeah. So it's like, I think we have a very clear half pot raise. Uh, you know, there's still plenty of worse that can call. Yeah, you just raise to like 
375, You probably have two base sizes. You probably jam too. If you have a flush yourself. Yeah, I think you have two sizes. I think so too. So then if if Yo just rips it in, you... You just fold a set. Yeah, you would just fold a set. It's very trivial. He's just never bluffing there. Well, no, he is, but you just have way better hands to call with. You're at the absolute bottom of your value range. Gotcha. You would call with like a straight and a diamond. A set is like your value raise fold hand on the river. Like you can't really raise two pair on the river. Right. You can raise a set to get called by two pair. Yeah, I think it's important because I think uh, and, and not particularly this player, but but like people think like I don't want to raise with this. I have a I have a strong hand, but I don't want to raise with this hand on the river. I don't want to get thin value because what I, what do I do if he jams? Right. So like yeah. So, so, so well, like, you already know what you do if he jams. I, well, a lot well, of people don't. don't. A lot of people don't. And that, right. that that's why I wanted like you that's know bring this up because mm -hmm. that's the point. Because like what do you do when he jams? Like do, you're like okay, you're at your like you said, the bottom of your value I range, think I think right? it's also, there's something to be said for like cross that bridge when you come to it. You know, there's something to be said for the fact that the or jam... Or if you trust yourself. Yeah, but like yeah. the jam yeah. is a very low frequency thing right. to happen. Mm -hmm. It's certainly much more likely that he just calls your raise than, than right. jams. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you should be thinking about is can I get value from raising? And the answer is definitely yes, because when he blocks river, doesn't have a ton of flushes. He has a lot of two pairs, so you can raise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a hand at Bellagio. Uh, it, it's very important the way that you think about how the structure works too whenever you bet and you plan on calling or folding. Uh, you don't want to think about it of how many bluffs does he possess? Uh, does he bluff in this spot? Yada, yada, yada. You want to compartmentalize like what all your value is. So I had a spot uh, where I opened the button with ace-king uh, offsuit ace of hearts and got called by the small blind, big blind. It came like seven, three deuce, two hearts, one diamond. Mm -hmm. Uh Check, check, I bet. Small blind calls, everyone else folds. Turn is an offsuit ace. Check, pot, call, river, offsuit jack. Check, pot, 5x pot. Mm. And I just snap muck. And I was, I was uh, mad at myself later because I got shown a bluff. He showed me 7-3 of diamonds. And I got mad at myself because I was like, ah, that's so dumb. I should have sniffed that out. Or I should have at least taken some time to sniff it out. But then I realized like, no, you dummy. <laughs> uh, you have so many better hands. That is right. absolute right. You are bottom. snapping it off with a lot of hands. Right, like that is yeah. the stone bottom of range right. that I would value bet. I guess mm -hmm. ace-queen would probably be the bottom of range that I would ever have a value bet there for. It's pretty down. Yeah, and I block the ace of hearts here. So it's like... Uh, I can consider other ace kings. I can consider other ace queens, like whatever. But like you have to be folding at a pretty high frequency, the absolute worst hand that you're going to value bet or mm -hmm. that you're going to raise for value. Right. right? Like you, it, other, otherwise, you're getting into the territory where you have to have a really high level of confidence that they're over bluffing Correct. drastically. Yeah. And it just a lot of, there's a lot of spots where you just don't have that confidence. Like it's, yeah. it's really hard to find spots where people are just massively over bluffing. Especially in spot like where, yeah, it's where, like where it goes bet, raise, jam. Check five yeah. X pot. Yeah. Like, right. yeah, there's just not very many over bluffs for the five X. Yeah. It's like in my situation, I'm going to have five, four to call off with. I'm going to have two pairs to call off with. I'm going to have sets to call off with. Like there's just no reason to reach unless you're positive that this guy's just losing his mind versus two pot size bets, which it's like, obviously he was how he continued through the turn. Isn't, you know, unknown to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I was very close to just checking my hand back on the river, right? Like there's just a lot of ice Jack in this small blind mm -hmm. range. Speaking um, of checking back on rivers, how about, how about we talk about the Maria yeah. versus Johan? Yeah, I guess we should get to the final, uh, hand of episode three. Uh, so heads up, spoiler alert, Maria and Yo go heads up. Uh, Yo has a two to one chip lead. There are ten blinds effective. Maria limps Ace King here. Are they ten? Hold on. Yeah, yeah they yeah, are they ten are. effective. Yeah, exactly ten. One fifty three hundred. Um, two point nine. So oh. she's gonna limp Ace King. 
probably probably fine yeah, I, was gonna say I imagine it probably plays a mix of limp and jam. Uh, maybe you still have opens at ten. I I think I we think play, it would limp this one. I think yeah, I think we play limp or jam right, yeah. with range wise. Like we have yeah, some yeah. limps and some jams, and I think Ace Kings a limp. I actually don't hate the check bag with aces. I don't love it. I I think that how much raising are you doing off of this effective? I mean, stack? I think you have. I think you should be doing some. That's the thing. Like yeah. I think if you force You're yourself, it's polar rangers, right? Like if you in your spot, you you can't really force yourself to play jam or check mm -hmm. because there's so many hands that want to make it like 2.8x mm -hmm. and you you want to have a, a polar range of like 2.8x that then folds to a jam or calls a jam right and i think i just think the spr when you get to the flop is slightly too high to be comfortable just checking aces like if she limped off like six bigs or something i think you can just check aces but like I think when you're 10 bigs effective, I think you still want to... Right, if you, you have the polar raising the range, aces is the top, so you yeah. need to have it. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I guess, like, from the perspective of <laughs> if game. we're going to have traps in our checking range, like, this one seems like the the key. Yeah, I just like, don't think we need to, though, ultimately. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that when you're... Like, you're... <clears throat> Excuse me. Your your checking range is not contributing a lot to your EV. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> your it's so good. Josh says Lila Tov, which is good night in Hebrew <laughs> on the king turn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, good. so yeah, I mean, I think that that's like kind of the bigger thing is this is where <laughs> that weird fancy play syndrome of Yo comes to fuck him again, right? Like you would just never find leads on this texture in a limp pot heads up. Or very rarely, anyway. Yeah, I think probably not. The like, majority of your hands that are strong on this texture jam pre. I, I'm always I'm always surprised when I look at heads up spots at when the ranges are super wide. But they're I'm, not here. That's the thing. Queen Jack jams pre. Sevens jams pre. Jack's no, but queens what I mean jam is pre. Yo, yo has like eighty percent of the deck. Right, like yeah, and Ma Maria's limping. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess like wh what I'm saying is on deck. this particular texture, the majority of hands that connect that board are all in pre. Yeah, but like Queen Deuce is a, a super strong yes. hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like yeah. what what I'm saying is like when you when you look at heads up limped pot spots, there's a surprising amount of of like weird leading and things like that because you're now at a point where it's not necessarily about nut advantage. Because you don't need to have the nuts to stack off, right? Like right. You, you, you only need to have like a decent pair to stack off. So you do start seeing some weird leads on, on boards like this sometimes. But I do agree that I don't think the lead is good because I think that it's, it's one of those instances where like if you feel like you, if you want to check this hand pre, then it should serve as a check on this flop as well. Like it doesn't make sense to check this pre but then suddenly feel like oh now i need to start juicing the pot like yeah i can... also think like the range construction needs to be strongly considered here right like yeah. maria j has the option to open jam and she's going to do that with a large number of hands that are worth a fair amount mm -hmm. um so she's actually going to be kind of polarized in her construction as well <laughs> and that's going to lead to a lot of seabedding on this texture yeah this is where this is where heads up limp pots are really weird because you have like a a polarized limping range and then a very linear condensed jamming range pre. Right. So this this polarized limping range has some traps in it. It has some some stuff that does come out pretty strong on this board, but it also has a lot of stuff that's like super, super weak and is is just like 10-4 off or something. That, right. That has Which to is bet. also gonna bet yeah, it's exactly exactly. Yeah, it's right. it's all gonna want to bet one big blind. Mm -hmm. 
right? And I think Yo is just like pretty happy to either continue to trap through a check call or maybe check raise very small, something in the neighborhood of like, you know, 2.3x uh, yeah. a single big blind bet. <laughs> Such a like nonsense. That. Whatever. There's just like a lot of ways to ensure that the money always goes in. Uh, I can't fathom that it is leading on Queen Jack X and then shutting down when the turn king falls. Like, yeah. if oh, you're going to wow. lead flop, like, I didn't know she checked this back. Yes, yeah. bro. Absolutely <laughs> wow. absurd. I, I think yeah, I the, mean, she loses to nothing. Wow. His hand is nuts. What happened here? The, the other thing that doesn't, Sorry, that doesn't make sense so to much. me is like, the, the players are pretty openly talking in the back about how Maria Maria's image is she plays tight. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to believe that Yo is unaware of that image that Maria has. Right. And that makes it, that makes her even less the kind of player that you want to start trapping against because she's going to under bluff. Or if your perception is that how, that's how she or plays. Or not value bet thin enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or not like, value bet thick enough. Right, yeah. So like the, 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 um, the general idea there is like, if there was a player against whom it becomes better to do this it's somebody who's going to play super aggro it's yeah. like at least the players that you think are going to like play against soyza he just might three flop yeah or like just any random player that you think is either going to be close to optimal like jason or someone like that where they're going to bluff at the right times or maybe someone who's actually like super crazy aggro um yeah check the aces against them like against maria you're going to have to be the one who put the chip, puts the chips in. Mm -hmm. And Yo kind of talked about this when he got back after winning. He, he said like, oh, I was going to bet one third on River because, or Fedor said it, I think. Somebody said it like, if you bet. Yo, Yo said it that he was going to because he thought she might do that. Yeah, or like someone said, basically, I think Fedor said, if you check, she's going to bet small. But if you bet big, she's going to call. Like, it's that logic of, like, how do we get the most chips out of this spot? Right. And that's very true against players who are on the tighter or, like, not so aggro side. So it just, it doesn't make any sense to me that you take aces and you play it super trappy against a player that you already think is not going to be as aggro. Also, as like, on the turn, when she shows that she's willing to bet and the SPR now is, like, one-ish, sub-one-ish, maybe. Mm-hmm. Do we not just have jams here? Yeah, I mean, you can just rip it. You like, know, it's like how much bet folding is actually like, going to take place no, and nothing, how upset are you going to be if she does fold a hand that contains a 10? Nothing about Yo's line makes any sense. Yeah. Like it just, the check flop, like check pre, lead flop, check call turn, like there's just every spot. It's like I would have done the opposite thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantasy uh, hand in fantasy land. It yeah. is. It's a, it's, a, it's a custom hand. How about that? It's a custom designed hand yeah. where both players we just do like played custom a very hands. weird line. Yeah, like, I, I love taking it to the streets. I love getting creative and, and doing things. I just don't like doing it for the, you for the minimum. Like, you <laughs> also like getting ten, at least 10 big blinds with aces. That's what I mean. Like, I, I would like to take creative lines that like win the most yeah. amount of chips, even if it's bad. Like, even if you're like putting yourself out on a limb where you're putting in five blinds on the end and it might not be good very often. Like, I'd so much rather do that than, uh, you know, put myself in a situation where I lose the min or win the minimum. Yo, also, uh, you know, it, it's funny, too, because he played so many weird hands, man. He went for three with queens on a king-high board versus Robin. It's the French, I'm telling you. Oh, sorry, it wasn't a king-high board. It was a river uh, king of clubs. It was a river jack king. Jack-high board, flush. river king of clubs. Ja yeah, jack-high board. a good line. I liked his line there, going for three. Yeah, I it, thought it was pretty fucking thin on It was ambitious, end. but it was, like, not, not necessarily bad. Like, I think the... Um, there's, there's a lot of lines that he takes where... It, it's weird, right? I've never played with him, so, like, I... I was looking at him like, oh, okay, he seems like he knows what he's doing. And then he takes the, the line against uh, He against does this Lucas. all the time in cash. 
He against, just does like weird shit and plays really tight against Lucas, where it's like he he does this line where I was like, that makes do you no remember, sense at all. Do you remember the hand he played uh, on the WPT cash game where I he? I don't think I ever watched that. Oh my gosh, he played a four or five bet pot versus. Um, was it Haralabob? No, 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 no. It was against uh, the kid that used to play on Live at the Bike with me. Him and uh, Vivian would come together. I think his name is G or something along those lines. I can't remember. Oh no, not Lee. Uh, anyway, it, it, it's one of the one of the kids from Macau. Uh, it's not Yang, the race car driver. No, not, not the race car driver. Uh, <laughs> he's in he's in the Formula One this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it ends up being like a four bet pot where he has aces and this kid has kings, and it comes king high, and both of them just took like such fucking strange lines that Yo just folds turn for like oh my god this one for like mm. nothing like the I pot was so one. goddamn small. All things considered, they were like. You know, four or five hundred big blinds deep, and the pot was like less than a hundred big blinds, or around a hundred big blinds. It was all said and done. Including and top set bet. of kings just like doesn't win any money. Mm. It's wild. Um, I don't want to play poker where my top set gets no money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, don't take weird lines. You know, stay in flow. See, me, where, um, where does the the yo viral thing come from? Was he like a rapper or something? No, he was a content creator, um, YouTuber. Yeah. He, oh, okay. He still YouTube. makes content. I it's, think it's uh, it's the Argentinian guy that was the rapper. That's right? Lococo. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, he, that's, Papo, that's Papo MC. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it was like rappers were polarized between Lococo, who plays all the hands. Legend. Love yeah. Lococo, man. He's great. Yeah. Love Lococo. I played with him on the feature table in the Bahamas. That was a, that was a trip. That was an yeah. experience. The guy's a gangster. There's yeah, no he, getting he put it. me in some spots. Does the uh, open mouth tilt anyone else? So <laughs> fucking much, bro. So much. Like, at least they had a shot clock. When I played with him on Live at the Bike, he took every fucking second imaginable. Like, he would take 30 seconds to fold with that stupid, agaped mouth. <laughs> so bad. Literally, it would fold they to commented him. On it this. would fold to him. He hadn't looked yeah. at his hand yet. Right? Okay, so, you know, he's in middle position. It folds to him. We've already wasted 10 seconds. Now the clock begins, and he doesn't look at his hand yet, puts his glasses on, looks at his hand. Every time. Covers them with both his hands, mouth agape. <laughs> <laughs> you gone for the super close up. And then, oh and then he reaches for chips like this. Like the old Doc Sands crane, oh you know, my God. <laughs> just stop. the old Doc Sands crane and he gets a hold of them and he just drops them. Crane FC. Oh, <laughs> it makes my skin crawl, man. Like, I don't understand how he can fucking do the same exact thing every single time. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand what's gained from it other than like putting all of us on absolute monkey tilt. Yeah, well, that's that's I mean, probably that part it. of it. Person, yeah. person was screaming it. at him. <laughs> like screaming at him to play faster. I mean, it, he's gotten better from what I understand. Uh, I haven't really watched much of the games that he's on, but like he has his own private game that uh, I think he runs. <laughs> How'd that uh, end up happening? Like at Dust of Dawn maybe? How do you convince or, people to play with him? Well, I don't know, man. He leads fucking five ways on Ace King Five. Some like, things aren't worth it, man. What I also think is, is kind of fun about Yo is the way that his when he speaks English, his accent is like Shani. the most stereotypical French guy <laughs> accent in the entire world. The Charlie, 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 Charlie Carrel. Charlie Carrel. Like, really just he Charlie. just leans into the Frenchness yeah. of his accent. Uh, you great. gotta love it. Yo's a it. fucking character, man. There's no getting around it. That's All right, true. that's gonna do it for us. Uh, Hunt, as always, a riveting stat strat chat. Mm -hmm. We appreciate Happy you, my man. 
Um, we'll be back tomorrow noon. I guess we're gonna be uh, joined by Melissa. She has a little segment put together. It's is it it's, weird news? Well, weird news is gonna be a part of it. <laughs> uh, it's gonna it's, get weird. It's gonna get weird. There's there's for sure a guarantee with that. Oh and yeah. I feel like when you get when you guys get Melissa on, it's like the polar opposite of when I'm on. Like, yes. The, the Melissa <laughs> yes. shows are like the antidote to the shows. That, Correct. Like, that's, that's why I saw that you. We need, yeah. yeah. We need right. light, lighten it up a little bit right. after stretch. Exactly. That's right. She's the late late show. Uh, <laughs> so we'll be back tomorrow noon Pacific. Be sure to tune in for that. Don't forget that we are running a pre Black Friday sale now until the 19th. Uh, $19.99 for your first two months. Use code OnlyFriends at sign up. Solve4Y.io. Also, we do still have seats to the January Academy. I believe that's January 15th to the 17th, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. uh, seats are going fast. Head to academy.solve4Y.io <laughs> if you're interested in being part of that. You can find more information there. There's also a discount. Don't forget about the oh, discount. Yeah, Just when you thought we were done, suck yes. on that. That one, you don't even need a code. Just go <laughs> sign up to the Academy before the 15th of December. Any of them. The one in January, the one in March, two in May. And you know what? You'll get $500 discount. That's right. You heard it here first from the manager. All right. We're going to see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Peace. 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 Peace.